Here we go, here we go, here we go on a Thursday. I hope your Thursday is going well so far. Welcome in. Our first hour presented by the good folks over at Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Tim Lasher and his company, they're family-owned and operated. They've been servicing the greater Oklahoma City area for 15 years now. Give them a call if you need heat and air stuff done at your place. They'll get it done for you at a very reasonable rate. Great professional people will come get it done for you. 405-579-3113. That's 405-579-3113. Spring football practice continues for OU and the big game, April 23rd, 3 o'clock. Baker Mayfield statue uh, dedication, that ceremony at halftime of the game that Saturday. Can they pack? Can the OU fans get out there and pack the Palace on the Prairie? We'll see. I, clearly, Brent Venables wants to see that happen. So, Sooner fans, you need to get out there and do your job. Meanwhile, uh, the Sooners are trying to get the job done as much as they can with the installation of the new offense, the new defense, the new culture, all of that stuff. We heard from Dylan Gabriel yesterday. We also heard from Kale Gundy yesterday. And I, I think you can tell from this sound clip that, yes, uh, Kale Gundy, already a pretty big fan of Jeff Lebby. We've got a very impressive offensive coordinator. He's as, he's as well-rounded as any offensive mind I've ever been around and ever in college football. You know, he's a guy that played offensive line. He learned it. And uh, that's, to me, that's kind of always key. And that's where you get the, the bright minds are the ones that, that really truly learn the offensive line play, the run game and the pass game. And then, obviously, he had a chance to evolve and started getting his skills and skill positions. And now he's with the quarterbacks. But um, very impressive uh, as an offensive coordinator. Um, I mean, he's there's there's not anything that in the offense uh, that has to do with any 11 players on our side of the ball that that he does not know alignment, assignment, technique. Uh, very, very impressive. So obviously that was shade at Mule Shoe, oh, right, no Mike? no doubt about it, clearly. I mean, that was a cruise missile that was aimed right at L.A. Probably not, but we're hoping it was. Uh, why not? Why not? Here is what Kale said, and a nice job by Garen Emig uh, kind of following up because, you know, when you hear that, you think, man, okay, yeah, Jeff Levy's got a great reputation, but, man, so did the guy who had the previous head coaching job. Had a pretty good reputation for offensive football uh, for the most part. And so Garen came back. It was five, six minutes later, Garen Emig, and said, uh, well, can kind of compare and contrast the styles, you know, Jeff Levy versus Lincoln Riley, and here is what Cale Gundy had to say. Lincoln was a great offensive mind. We all know that. Uh, Lincoln was very creative, probably one of the most creative offensive minds and guys I've ever been around. Um, Lincoln, over time, learned the run game. You know, in his background, in his history, it was mainly throwing and passing and getting the ball in space. Um, and then I, I think, you know, not only I think he would also tell you that he became a, a better coach here when he got here because we ran the ball more. Uh, uh, you know, again, just Jeff is already he he's already polished in all those areas. I mean, he's he's polished in in um, in everything, um, and it is it's very very impressive. All right, so let's dissect the two sound bites there, Parker. And it's really, it's pretty easy to figure out, I think, right? I mean, immediately, and look, I'm one of those guys that Plank was talking about, and uh, Plank's right. You know, we're kind of looking for stuff 
when we hear something, our ears tune to hear, okay, is that, oh, wow, that's a shot at Lincoln Riley right there. Yes, thank you. But I don't think it was necessarily, I don't think it was a shot at Lincoln Riley. What we hear uh, Kale Gundy say, uh, there is no doubt. But going back, remember the story that Brent Vittables told about that first staff meeting with Mike Leach and Mark Mangino? And Mark Mangino was all fired up to run that power running attack and how he was going to diagram it here and here's what we're going to do. And Mike Leach was shakily holding the coffee cup and said, well, you can call it. I'm not going to run it, you know. And immediately there were a few fireworks there. Well, Lincoln Riley came from the tech system, right? That is correct. He couldn't play there, so he became a grad assistant. And credit to him, he worked his way up. Neil Shue worked his way up. And look, he's got a heck of a career going. I still think he's a lying fool in some ways, but he does have a pretty impressive resume. There is no doubt about it. But Tech didn't run the football a whole lot. The, The running game was a secondary thought at Tech. And what Cale Gundy is saying is Jeff Levy also, with his background, Playing offensive line, you know, is more adept and is more open to running the football. And, you know, I I do think you can say that Jeff Lebby, as he arrives at Oklahoma, is the more complete package than Lincoln Riley was when he came to OU as offensive coordinator. And look, Muleshoe had a great reputation. I've called him by his name a couple times. I must be getting over it. But he had a great reputation. But... You know, I think he's saying that at this stage right now, Jeff Levy is the more complete package if you compare where they were coming to OU as OC. Yeah, I've had I've had a lot of dialogue about what the Jeff Levy offense is going to look like in 2022 with quite a few folks. And I know this. I don't, well, I don't know how hot of a take this is. I really do believe that in year one, we're going to see a more pass heavy Oklahoma offense than we saw under Muleshoe. And if you look at the splits during the time that Muleshoe was offensive coordinator slash head coach with play calling responsibilities, the Sooners leaned towards the run at about a 55 to 45 split. 55% run, 45% pass. I think because of the personnel Oklahoma's working with heading into this fall and the fact that in terms of depth and in terms of star power, there's just a lot more going for them in terms of pass catchers than in terms of backs. You play to your strengths. You play to your strengths, exactly. And so I don't know if it's a long-term shift, but I do think we're going to see the Sooners air it out a bit more in 2022 than we have the previous couple of years. Granted, Jeff Levy is always going to have that power run element to his offense. And in the long term... Yes, the Sooners are going to run the football a lot. They'll run the football a lot this fall, but I would expect they're going to they're going to throw the ball a li- little bit more than we have seen thus far uh, over the post Bob Stoops era. I would say. And the guy who's going to be throwing the football for the Sooners, Dylan Gabriel, who was with uh, Jeff Levy when uh, Levy was at UCF, and uh, Dylan Gabriel again now going to be the starter this fall for Oklahoma. The reports are in. Uh, he's done tremendous in the leadership department. They feel pretty good about having him at QB. And I would say that Dylan Gabriel is uh, pretty happy to be reunited now and back with Jeff Lebby. I think it goes way back, and you know, just from a trust standpoint, you know, really trusted him. Love playing in his offense, the way he's able to, you know strategically use people and and put them in good 
positions to go play, you know, and win a lot of ball games while scoring a lot of points. So that's something I really love about it. But, you know, most of all, I just love how he continues to push me um, to get to levels, you know, I didn't think I had. And, um, you know, that's obviously why we're, you know, back together. So um, super grateful for him. And I know every time I've played with him and, you know, throughout just spring ball to, to fall camps to season, I, I've progressed in a, in a super positive way. There you go, Dylan Gabriel. We'll hear more from him a little bit later on in the program. But again, uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and make that. The Kale Gundy stuff, yes, it was clearly a shot at L.A., at Muleshoe. We're just going to perceive it that way. Now, Kale, if you're listening, uh, you probably didn't mean it that way. I don't think you really did. But we're, we're just going to take it as that's what it was, if that's all right. makes It makes us feel better, right? Shoehorning, as it were. Yes, Speaking of, uh, somebody asked me the other day, uh, have you gotten over the mule shoe stuff left? I said, I'm making progress, but maybe not enough progress because I have put together the whatever happens if mule shoe gets fired clip already. Oh, so boy. I, I labeled it mule shoe and the pips. I could tell you personally, if I'm looking at a guy um, that's a potential transfer incoming here and that guy quit on his team midseason, I'm going to have a hard time taking them. Yes, right there. L.A. proved too much for the man. He couldn't make it. Gladys Knight and the Pips. You just you keep circling back to that same soundbite about Muleshoe taking players from the transfer portal, don't you? That might be your favorite quote of oh, his. Oh, yeah, that's, that's uh, I mean, if Pinocchio's nose were on Muleshoe's face, then that would have been growing big time, right? I just realized, listening to that soundbite, I haven't heard his voice in a couple of months. Like, you know, it used to be, well, he's the head coach at the University of Oklahoma, right? You're hearing some soundbite or some snippet or some clip from him on social media or on some news website or wherever you may be browsing pretty much every single day mm-hmm. just about it just it was it was a weird sensation listening to his voice just then because I was like wow that's the you're first over time it. I have that's actually, your advantage that's you're the first over time it. I have heard that small town Texas drawl in weeks and months well the better part of that clip was Clearly Gladys Knights and the Pips, but uh, that is Muleshoe and the Pips. L.A. proved too much for the man, too much for the man. He couldn't make it, leaving on a midnight train. Woo-hoo! And there you go. You got you got the got the album version and the acapella version. That's a great Staley. song right there, man. Super hits of the seventies. Tell me if you're as old as me, you don't love that. They're probably adding that to their playlist right now. Right now, Gladys Knight and the Pips. All right, we're going to take a break right here. Uh, when we get back, Lebius Overton, A and M, done deal. Looking like it. We'll talk about it next, right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. I hear you talking to me, Tom Petty. I I hear what you're saying. I'm trying. Trying my best. Hope everything is uh, all good up there in rock and roll heaven. Say hello to Jim Morrison for me, if you would. 
Uh, well, Morrison may not have made it, but if he is there, say hello to Jim Morrison, please. All right, welcome back. It is a Thursday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. So we get the news yesterday. No visit to OU for Levius Overton. Yeah, how about that? That is the nightmare scenario. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Well, I think we all know what's going on here, Mike. I mean, you're you're generally a little bit more irreverent than I am when it comes to these kinds of things. So I'm going to give the delicate version, and then you can give the no-holds-barred version. There is a philosophy down in College Station, a recruiting philosophy in particular, that is dare I say, cutting edge and very much in tune with the recent trends in collegiate athletics. And for a program like Texas A&M, with a lot of boosters, a lot of people with direct ties and involvement within the football program that have deep pockets when it comes to endorsement opportunities and the like, Texas A&M has suddenly become a very attractive destination. So they're offering bags of money, basically. You I mean, get hey, a bag, and you get a bag, and you get a bag. And I mean, hey, technically it's legal these I days. Know, I know. I know what you're talking about. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh True that the Sooners have not signed a five-star defensive lineman since Jamarcus Farland back in 2009. Jamarcus McFarland in 2009. Well, they, they haven't signed a five-star defender at all since Caleb Kelly in 2016. And look, there are going to be Texas A&M fans out there that say, well, it's not, it's not about the money. And Jimbo Fisher is just a really good recruiter. Why wouldn't you want to come play in college state? No, it's all about the money. That's what it's about. It now, is 100% when way, you're getting, 1,000% when about you're NIL. you're getting what is already being called the greatest recruiting class ever since we, in the internet era, where we've been tracking, you know, stars and uh, average per commit, all of that stuff, this is shaping up to be, and it already is, right, the greatest recruiting class ever If you, if you, since we've been able to track recruiting, which, again, is unscientific. I get that. But based on what the way it's been tracked by all the recruiting services, this is the one, right, for A&M. No one wants to go play at Texas A&M because it's Texas A&M. Well, and look, That's the reality. I, I can like, see A&M getting a couple of really good prospects in every class. I get that. And, you know, maybe more than a couple. But, I mean, this is a haul. This is a big-time haul. I mean, can you give me the numbers on how many guys they're bringing in and how many of these are four and five stars? I mean, a bunch. Well, a ton. Okay, so let's let's just go ahead and operate under the assumption, the very safe assumption that LT Overton is going to be committing to and signing with the Ags and on Friday. He, and okay. yeah, making that announcement Friday. So, he would join a list of five-star prospects in the 2022 class for Texas A&M that also includes Evan Stewart, Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy, Connor Weigman, and Denver Harris. So, five five-star prospects. That's not an exorbitant number, necessarily. 
Wait, no, no, no. Hold up, hold up. I, I misspoke. I'm sorry. I, I was only looking at the partial list. That didn't sound right. Uh, so, yes, beyond that, you have Walter Nolan, five-star defensive lineman out of Tennessee, Shamar Stewart, five-star defensive lineman out of Florida, and Chris Marshall, the five-star wide receiver out of Texas. So I, I take that back. Eight five-star recruits I mean, that's, in this class for that's, Texas a That's Bama right there, right? Um, and, again, this is the number one class uh, in the 2023 class. Is is it a pretty wide margin even between yes. A&M and everybody else? Yes. Battling it is a, for second? It is a massive margin. Now, they have – well, once they – I say once, assuming they get LT Overton, which again is a very safe assumption, they will have 30 commits in the class of 2022, Mike, 30. And that would be nine five-stars, right? You just said eight, so obviously nine five-stars. So, yes, How many five-stars have the Sooners – how far back would you have to go to see how many five-stars the Sooners have signed collectively? At least a decade. Yeah, you probably closer to fifteen. You years. had a couple in that receiving class, right? Yes. I. So looking over this list one more time, you have nine five stars. You have eighteen four stars. There are three prospects in Texas A and M's Hall of thirty commits that are not blue chips. Three. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say, ah, there's no reason to go to A&M at all. Look, I, I, I kind of like the traditions. Like I said, it's a little bit cultish to me, but I, I think Friday night, yell practice, some of this stuff. I know we the bonfire's been gone forever, but they're very unique with their traditions. And I don't know, I, I think they're quirky, but kind of cool in some ways. Uh, but this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I'm going to make a... They're the po- that's the poster school right now for it. Come here, get your NIL. Exactly, exactly. Do you think there might be a reason why the rise of Texas A and M in the world of recruiting directly coincided with the passage of NIL legislation? I have a theory, Mike. I've got one. Now, I want to make a bold prediction. Actually, I don't know how bold it is. I would say at least half of this recruiting class does not finish their collegiate career at Texas A&M. Because as I have said many a time, you can buy talent these days in college football, and it's legal to do so now. What you can't buy is culture. And when you're recruiting a bunch of prospects with dollar signs, with cash, with greenbacks, as it were, what are they coming for? What is it about? It's not about the team. It's about the individual. They should the, the fight song for AM Parker should no longer be the Aggie War Hymn, which is a great song, by the way. And I love the AM band. They're awesome. Love it, love it, love it. Precision, the marching, the Aggie War Hymn, it's all great. But they should just do a version, a uh, college band, the the Fight and Aggie band, whatever they call it, uh, and just do Pink Floyd's Money. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm sure there's a college band that could that probably has done a version of Money by Pink Floyd. That should be the new fight song for A&M when they take the field. Right there. Right? They just run out to Pink Floyd's Money. Here come the Aggies. <laughs> And here's the other thing I'll say too, Mike. I don't think this is going to pan out for A&M in terms of success on the field. I don't. 
for the exact same reason. Because this type of philosophy, and I probably said the exact same thing yesterday on Locked In with Tyler. This type of philosophy, what Texas A&M is doing, stockpiling ridiculous amounts of talent at every position on the field, this kind of thing works for Alabama. It works for Nick Saban in Alabama. And the reason it works for Nick Saban in Alabama is because, A, Nick Saban, based on the amount of guys that he's put in the NFL, can pitch long-term development and convince you that even if you don't play right away, he's going to have you in position to have a successful future at the professional level. Moreover, if you don't play right away, guess what you're going to get for your trouble while you're riding the bench? You're probably going to get a ring yeah, in the first yeah. couple of years at Alabama. Now, And you're going to be going against the best in practice, too, every day, right? And, and that's going to help you. Remember Devontae Smith caught that touchdown pass from Tua in their championship win over Georgia a few years back. And then, you know, what happened a couple years later? Wins a Heisman. So, yeah. At Texas A&M, Mike, A, that program has never won anything of consequence. Never. So it's not as if you're going to show up there in College Station and expect to get a ring. Moreover, I promise you that Jimbo Fisher and this coaching staff are making promises they can't keep. You think they're telling these kids, hey, you know what? Come get your bag and ride the bench for two or three years. No, that doesn't work at Texas A&M. Nobody is going to hear that coming from the staff at Texas A&M and think, yeah, that's what I want to do. Because at that point, you don't know when it's going to pan out for you. You don't know when you're going to get your opportunity. When there are so many other talented prospects around you at your exact same position, if you don't have something you can bank on, i.e. a coach with a long and distinguished track record of developing players, and in some cases, players that weren't even regular starters, and making them into NFL players, then why would you go to a place where you're going to have to fight tooth and nail for every single snap that you get? with players who are just as good, if not better, than you. This is not going to pan out. And when you combine that with the fact that all of these players are showing up because they're getting paid, or because they will get paid, they're not going to be in any particular hurry to plant roots in College Station if it's not working out for them on the field. They're going to get their bag, and they're going to clear out, and they're going to go somewhere where they can play. It's going to be interesting. Look, uh, I'm not going to sit here. I, I'm not. I'm not a smart man, but I'm not a really stupid man. I mean, I'm sort of stupid. But the OU fans would be doing backflips if they if they had this class. But you know, the Sooners are not approaching recruiting like that. Not to say that they're not going to do any NIL stuff. They are, but not to that extent. It's more buying into the culture. So. Uh, it's it's going to be very interesting again to see how it pans out at Texas A&M. I think Jimbo was a good hire for them. I do, but this is this is crazy. I mean, it's one of those deals. Have you ever worked with somebody uh, and you're starting out your career? You know, you're in a low paying job, uh, yet somebody's driving around in like a super expensive BMW and wearing the greatest clothes and has a Rolex or whatever, and you're like. Okay, that's either a trust fund or this guy's cheating somehow, some way. And that's how Texas A&M appears right now to me. Which, I mean, look, 
they're, the reality is they're not cheating. No, we, they're not you're doing right. Anything yeah, you're right. That you're we right. know of. They're not doing anything illicit that we know of. And Jimbo Fisher, to his credit, is a really good recruiter. I think Jimbo Fisher would be capable of building Texas A&M into a contender if he didn't embrace this particular philosophy. But you're right. Because it's unsustainable. It is uh, a new era in the NIL. I don't know uh, if, if rules and regulations, I know there are a few of those, but there aren't a lot. And I do think it's still a little bit the wild, wild west. But A&M, you know, hey. Taking advantage of it right now. That class does look really good. All right, we're coming back. We'll talk a little more spring football and more. Caden McFarland, KJRH-TV in Tulsa. will join us next here on The Ref. All right, we're back. Uh, money is king now for a lot of schools out there in college football, certainly at Texas A&M. I think they're printing money at Texas A&M. It's probably counterfeit. You ever watch Good Girls on Netflix? That's what they're doing. Beth and her crew, they're printing money in College Station, and they're just offering these kids bags of it. That's what's going on. All right, we have Cade McFarland joining us on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line, at KJRH TV Sports Director in Tulsa. Caden, how we doing? We've got spring football practice underway in Norman and Stillwater. And, you know, I was listening to all the sound clips that – uh, you hear, and it's a little bit like National Signing Day. Oh, yeah, great leadership. All the guys are doing everything great. The installation's going well. And then reality hits in the fall. And I do think there are good things happening at both places. But um, I, I think that uh, the Sooners and the Cowboys is going to be very interesting because we have uh, Mike Gundy getting a new deal, becoming the highest-paid coach now in the Big 12. Cowboys are coming off their uh, – Huge win in the Fiesta Bowl over Notre Dame. Uh, Mike Gundy called it the biggest win in school history, and I think it was. I think it was a great uh, comeback by Oklahoma State there to win it. And uh, so you got things underway in Stillwater. You have things underway in Norman. Tulsa's getting cranked up also. So we've got spring football here, and we can't wait for the fall. But it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Um, So are, are we ready to go? We good? Are we square? We uh, we appear to be having some issues with the well, air comfort solution, or excuse me, oh, the, the phone line, Rod Polson tax resolution line. Caden ah. is on the line. Caden's on the line, but the the phone itself is malfunctioning. So. Ah, well, we better call the Drake. Yeah, we better. If I'll, the Drake's here, we'll get the Drake. Caden, I'll go run him down. You, you go be. I was he trying to ask the longest winded, uh, the longest, the longest winded question in history there. Uh, for a minute, so hopefully we'll get Caden on. If not, we may. Yeah, I'll go figure him. this out. If not, we could move him to maybe one thirty or something like that. I don't, I don't know what Caden's schedule is, but he's he's such a tremendous guy. He would probably say, "Yeah, no problem." But um, you know, it, it is a little bit like uh, not to the extent that National Signing Day is because you never and obviously the coach is never going to go. Well, you know, it was a disappointing class for us, man. We had like six or seven guys that we couldn't. Couldn't haul in at the last minute. You never hear that. Oh, yeah, I feel good about these kids. You know, they got great character, and they fit into our system. It's always positive. And to an extent, it's like that in spring football, right? But I do believe in the passion and the optimism that is, you know, just all through that campus right now for Brent Venables and this new staff. Um, Like I said, it was born out of the shock 
to the system when Mule Shoe left for L.A. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? This came out of nowhere. I thought he said, Kerry, I'm not going to be the next coach at LSU, like, you know, 12 hours ago or whatever. So it was a gut punch, man. It was like all of a sudden or you're walking down the street and somebody hits you over the back of the head with a two-by-four that you weren't expecting, um, you know, with the, with the SC thing. So then it became what's going to happen, man, headed to the SEC. This is a different uh, situation now because there, were, there was a lot of thought out there during that time period that Oklahoma might even be in the SEC next fall or maybe the fall after that at the latest. We really don't know. Obviously, this fall it's not going to happen. But who knows? The Sooners, they may, they might have to play out the entire rest of the contract. You know, there's a lot of speculation about that. So I, I think that's why the Sooner fans who are always super passionate and locked in and tuned in to what's going on with their program were, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting. And when Brent Venables finally landed at Max Westheimer Airport, there was a celebration and a release of uh, frustration and passion and optimism and everything uh, that night. So I do think in Brent's, uh, the way he goes about his business, just uh, as passionate as he is, and, you know, you bring in not only Jeff Lebby as offensive coordinator, which a lot of Sooner fans, again, when, when that happened, initially it was like, man, you can get Brent Venables and you, you can get Jeff Lebby to run your offense. That'd be a great situation. That'd be an unbelievable situation for OU, man. Sign me up. Well, not only do they get Brent and Jeff Levy, and then you add a highly respected big-time, you know, defensive line coach, great recruiter, well-thought-of assistant, and Todd Bates from that Clemson staff. Uh, So you can see why there's so much optimism, so much optimism around Norman. I, I think most of that is very, very genuine. But you know what I'm saying about spring football? It's a little bit like National Signing Day. I mean... Even if you're having issues, man, I'll tell you what, we can't block this play or that play. Receivers aren't catching the ball. You're not going to hear that. But I think this staff is really pretty darn genuine. Don't you? I mean, we were lied to by the previous administration. Well, I should say by one person, the president of the – I don't want to get into politics here. I'm talking about the football team, and you know who I'm talking about. Oh, I thought uh, you were about to throw Joe Harris under the bus. No, 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 no. I'm good with the two Joes. I mean, they're both big time. But, you know, there was, some um, again, uh, twisting of the truth or semantics involved. I don't see, you know, I'm not, look, everybody's got issues. Nobody's perfect. But I don't think that is going to be a problem. I don't think we're going to have to – Wonder. I, I think pretty much what you see is what you get with Brent Venables and uh, the guys on this coaching staff. Don't you? Yes, I do. Regarding the phone line, we will reschedule Caden McFarland because uh, not exactly sure. No one is exactly sure what's going hmm. on with the phones right now because I can talk to Caden from the headset, but we can't put him through onto wow. the uh, Crazy. airwaves for whatever reason. So That sounds like uh, the first time I did a radio show when I had Bart Connor on from Utah, my first ever <laughs> radio. And I could talk to Bart Connor off the air. Bart, you ready to go? He was coming on from the Olympic trials. Put him on the air. Bart, you there? Hello, Mike? Hello? Yeah, Bart, we've got you. Can you hear me? Mike? Hello? Three times in a row. Wow. That was my first show. And uh, I have skyrocketed all the way to the same place 40 years later. 
That was an impressive little soliloquy while I was trying to figure that out, though, Mike. You know, I've clearly to, you've done this whole solo thing before. There, uh, there are times when you have to BS your way through in this business. Anybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Okay. So anyway, not a big deal. It's all about execution, right? <laughs> Want to hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line all before right, we yeah, get our final that. break of the hour. Caden, I'm sorry, man. Uh, we tried. We tried. Thank you. We'll, we'll reschedule you. All right. One listener says, Aggie money. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. There's a picture attached. Oh, it's a $100 bill from the Republic of Texas. Ah, that's it. Oh, Aranda makes more than Gundy. Yeah, I think that. yeah, that's accurate. But Gundy is... Does he really? Because Gundy's contract's big Gundy's now. got a big contract. I guess, well, no, they did just... They gave Aranda that new deal. They did. So, ju- yeah, that's yeah, probably right. true yeah, yeah. that he is making money. Okay, one of, the, one of these listeners says, you keep mentioning culture. What is so great about OU culture compared to these other schools? You're a five-star athlete. You go to OU. You play at Waco, Lubbock, Manhattan, and Ames. Whoop-dee-doo. You go to any SEC school. You get to play in the swamp between the hedges, LSU at night, 100,000 in Knoxville and Alabama. Is it really that hard to figure out? Well, guess what? That's why Oklahoma's going to the SEC not right only there. That, that's not culture. That's a schedule. There's a difference between culture and a schedule. I mean, go to the dictionary. Culture is what happens inside your walls, how you go about, you know, shaping your program. That's that's called a schedule of where you play. I mean, there can be a great culture at, uh, you know, Whatever. Division well, I mean, school. hey, by the same token, why would anyone go play at Clemson when they got to go play games against mm-hmm. Boston College and Wake Forest and Pittsburgh and all these road venues where nobody cares about college football? Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm talking about. Your culture is defined by how you go about your business, how you uh, you treat your kids, you know, you make it more than just football. And I think most coaching staffs do that, you know, some better than others. It's not like I'm sitting here telling you that Brent's going to be the greatest coach ever and all of these guys are going to grow up to be future presidents. But I do like the way they're going about it. And guess what? I think Mule Shoot tried to do the same thing. Uh, to an extent. I, I do think there's a little more emphasis, obviously, with the soul mission and some of the other stuff. But yeah, if you want to talk about a schedule and uh, the venues where you play, it is not the same. SEC is better, clearly. But like I said, that's that's a schedule. That's not culture. Final text before we hit a break here. One listener says their helmets <laughs> have always told the story. Uh, like ATM. It. I like it. That's good. That's good. Good stuff. All right. 405-651-3439. I'm not trying to dog the guy who texts us on that, but yeah, that's that's just the thing that he's right about the venues and everything. No doubt. I mean, it'll be a lot more exciting football when they make those trips in the SEC. But again, uh, culture is is not your schedule. I mean, that's that's part of your program and part of your reputation, the league you play in, and all of that. But you can have a great culture and play in you know a, a horrible conference, right? So anyway, all right, four zero five. 405-651-3439, the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Caden, if you're out there listening, Caden McFarland, we apologize. The Gremlins got to our phone lines. Keep those texts rolling in. We appreciate all of them. We're going to try and get to as many as we can. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon. One more segment this hour. Keep it here on the ref. Okay, we're back. Apologize for uh, the uh, technical difficulties and the uh, filibuster. 
we'll try and reschedule uh, Cade McFarland. Sometimes, most of the time, 99% of the time, the equipment works like a charm. But sometimes the gremlins get in there and mess it up. That's what happened. All right, Air Comfort Solutions tax line. Let's get back there, uh, Parker. Why don't we wind out the uh, hour with some text on the Air Comfort Solutions tax line? By all means. One listener says, we're all hoping it doesn't work for A&M, but we won't know for a few years. I'll say this much. The odds are in their favor. Ask Switzer. It's about having the players. It's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's, right? Yeah, no doubt. It's all talent. It's amazing how the best coaches have the best talent. Who is the best college basketball coach of all time? Well, to me, it's still John Wooden. Guess what? He had the best players. Mike Krzyzewski is considered the uh, the standard uh, right now, and he might go out with his uh, sixth national championship next Monday night. Guess what? He's had the best players. Who has the best players right now in college football? Alabama does. Nick Saban, right? Clemson had some really good ones, too. You've got to have great talent, obviously. Now, you can also have great talent and not coach them up very well. See Austin, Texas, you know, as an example, right? But, yes, you, you definitely need great talent. And, and that texture is right. We, that's the thing. We don't know who's if this is a culture war. And, again, I don't want to make this sound like Brent and the OU staff. They're just ignoring NIL. There's going to be NIL stuff happening yes, at will. OU. But it's not – going to be a huge chunk as big as it's going to be at a lot of other places and you know money solves problems in life it's not going to buy you happiness but it will solve some problems for you can it buy you wins though yeah. that's going to be the question because look you can say yes alabama has had the best talent and yeah john wooden had the best talent in college basketball when he was at ucla and you can cite a thousand different examples but the other common denominator is culture yeah. Right. You don't win with talent alone. Yeah, you I don't. Am, I am not saying that coaching doesn't matter. You're yeah. right. It does. And that's where you get a special situation when you have a really good coach with, with really good talent. That's how you win and you win big. And you do that, yes, your culture, again, is defined by what you do in your meetings, in your locker room, in your weightlifting sessions, your practices, soul mission, like what they're doing at OU. Like I said, uh, as the one texter was pointing out, in, in terms of schedules and glamorous road trips, yes, the Big 12 trips have gotten a little bit boring over the years. And uh, the fan bases are going to be much different and much more energetic, and it's going to be a lot more fun going on the SEC road trips. And the newness of that will play into it also, but he was right about that. But, again, that's, that's the schedule and your league. That's not your culture. Another listener says, can't wait for another five-loss Texas A&M season. Boosters will stop paying if that keeps up. Eh, will they? Boosters are still paying up in Nebraska. And they're paying just as much as they ever have before. Boosters have a lot of money, and they like to feel important. So they like to throw that money around, right? Another listener asks, enjoy the show. Will A&M win a national title within three years with the stellar defensive line recruiting and the possible addition of Overton? Can OU match this in 2023, 2024, et cetera? That comes from Sooner Warrior. No, I don't think A&M wins a national title. I mean, title could they? The uh, yeah, they could. But uh, I mean, anyone could. I don't think they will. Yeah. I mean, well, I'll take it a step further. I don't think they'll play in a college football playoff over the next three years. Hmm. It, it, it's going to be interesting, definitely. All right, more text rolling in. Air Comfort Solutions text line 
3439. One listener says, I listened to your show just to hear that guy talk on the Ortho Central commercial. Shout out to our man, Steve Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another listener says, Counterpoint. Lebby's offense lets the box determine whether to run or to pass. So I think the splits will be based on that. That's a perspective I can certainly understand. But again, I think you do play to your strengths, and I think the Sooners' strengths in 2022 are more in the passing game than in the backfield. Yeah, and again, you play to your strength, and uh, what you know, Nick Saban's talked about, it's not about uh, plays in big game situations for him. It's been players making those big plays. So, yeah. All right, uh, keep the text rolling in, 405-651-3439. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, we have another hour to go. we got a lot of stuff to get to. You've got OU Baseball playing uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Globe Life Field in Arlington, a three-game set with the Longhorns, night game Friday at 6.30. Two games uh, Saturday and Sunday are both noon starts at uh, Arlington at Globe Life Field. Sooner women's softball team back in action tomorrow night at Marita Hines Field. And uh, first pitch against UAB at 6.30. Then they'll play a Saturday single game against UAB at 1 o'clock. Oklahoma 30-0, 25 wins via run rule. They are awesome. Then we have the Final Four, of course, coming up this weekend. First game out, KU and Villanova. These are TBS games, not CBS. TBS, 5-10, the nightcap Duke and Carolina. Tobacco Road rivalry at around 7.50. Stay with us. We've got another hour to go. Coming at you on a Thursday edition. Welcome in, everybody. If you're just joining us, thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, we got a lot to talk about. Final Four coming up this weekend. OU softball, OU baseball this weekend. Thunder lose to the Atlanta Hawks last night, 136-118. to 118. That was cool, though. Trey Young with 41. The Hawks are playing to make sure they get in the playoffs. They're in right now. And they want to improve their seating, so they're playing, you know, as many of uh, their regulars who are healthy and ready to go every night, and they win by 18 in Oklahoma City last night. But to see Trey Young on the floor with Lindy Waters, two former Norman North Timberwolves. Trey Young has already become an NBA star. He might make maybe like third-team All-NBA this year. It, it could happen. He's fourth in league scoring and third in assists, having a tremendous year. Uh, so much fun to watch. But Lindy Waters, former Oklahoma State Cowboy and Trey's former teammate with the Timberwolves at Norman North, had his career high last night, 25, made seven threes, seven out of 13 threes. And uh, he is proving that he has a great chance to stick in the NBA and stay on rosters and maybe even Oklahoma City's roster. If you can shoot it like that, believe me, you're going to be on a roster somewhere. The Thunder will host Detroit tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Cade Cunningham. I think he is now uh, probably the, the guy that I'm looking at at Rookie of the Year. He's getting better every single month. There's some highlight plays, it seems like, every night with Cade. So Detroit tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And then a Sunday matchup with the Suns at 6 o'clock. The Suns have easily been the best team in the NBA this year. Uh, even when Chris Paul was out, they were still winning, and now Chris Paul is back, and they're still winning. And there's a major separation between the Suns and everybody else in the Western Conference. So we'll see if they can get it done in the playoffs. We might be looking at a rematch. In fact, I would say right now, if I had to pick, we are looking at a rematch of the NBA Finals from a year ago, Phoenix and Milwaukee. That's who I'd go with. 
right now. I mean, I would offer a prediction likewise, but I don't pay enough attention to the NBA. You're too to busy with recruiting, man. That's a full time. Well, gig. and also you just you can't you can't make me care about the NBA. Like I, I've said it before on this show, if there is a professional sport among the major three in the United States of America that I do not care about, it is easily the NBA. Well, you have a problem in your league when uh, we are talking about uh, categorizing a Thunder win as a devastating win. That's <laughs> Which what is you what know. you did yesterday. That, that's why you know your league has an issue. And tanking, uh, I don't know what they can do about it. But this, I know what they can do working. about it. What? It isn't going to be popular, but I'll say it. Open up the draft lottery to all 32 teams and just put – or uh, 30 teams, excuse me. There mm-hmm. are 30 teams in the NBA. I, I forget this. Just put 30 ping pong balls in the hopper. Give everybody one ping pong ball, Mike. Let there be no incentive for losing. And it's entirely luck of the draw as to draft order. Yeah, I you know I know that would seismically that, no, no, change it, a lot of things. It's right, because the small market teams are at a disadvantage already, and then if they get no help in the draft because it's hard to bring free agents in, how did, how did Oklahoma City get guys in here like Paul George via trade? You can do it via trade. It's hard to say, hey, guess what? Want to come to Oklahoma City? Uh, plus, your uh, broadcasting rights are nowhere near what the Lakers are or the Knicks are or the uh, Bulls. You know, the bigger market teams. But, yeah, it's it's a major issue, no doubt about it. All right, uh, Sooner football spring practice continues. Uh, again, the spring game, April 23rd, 3 o'clock, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium with the Baker Heisman statue ceremony at halftime. So I don't know how the ceremony would work at halftime. Obviously, it's not like I, here's I the either. statue. It's not like you can, like, airlift the statue from midfield over to Heisman Park or anything, or maybe you can. Maybe you can. Maybe there'll be a helicopter. Maybe that's <laughs> Who it. Knows? Maybe Barry freaking Switzer will be flying a helicopter. Now that would be a halftime ceremony. Maybe they'll get Teddy Lehman and 20 more former Sooner linebackers to essentially act as pallbearers for the Heisman statue, and they can – they can roll it on out to the middle of the mm-hmm. field and like honor that. Baker, and then they'll just carry it over to Heisman Park. If the Egyptians can build the pyramids, they can move the Baker statue from the stadium to Heisman Park somehow, some way. Maybe they'll just get that guy with the, the white truck who unveiled the stoop statue going down I-35. Maybe he can just take it, bring it in, and then drive it over to Heisman Park. Or maybe the statue isn't going in Heisman Park. Maybe it's going on the playing field. Maybe it'll be like Tal's Hill at Minute Maid Park. <laughs> <laughs> Just one of those oddities in the field of play. Oh, man. All right, so Dylan Gabriel, the Sooners' new quarterback, meeting the media yesterday, reunited, and it feels so good, Peaches and Herb, with Jeff Lebby uh, as his former offensive coordinator at UCF, and now the two uh, together. Uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel piloting the Oklahoma offense this fall. What's it going to look like? I know this. He said he likes the up-tempo style of offense levy runs you know you got to utilize it to your you know advantage and you know that's our edge um but i feel like um just playing in it you know you can take advantage of a lot of opportunities of them not being set and then likewise um just being able to push it on them you know as you start to you know get into dr- uh, long play drives you can definitely see you know defense just start to get a lot more tired a lot more you know, draggy, but that's where you take advantage. That's where you smell blood in the water and you, you know, continue to push. 
There you go, Dylan Gabriel, lefty, wearing number eight. Whenever you hear a player use the euphemism blood in the water, that's how you know that's somebody you want on your team. Mm-hmm. That's one of those phrases where you hear it uttered, you're like, yes, yes, give me that competitive or maybe juice he, right there. maybe he just watched Jaws the other night or I, something. Maybe so, who knows. But I mean, you need to see Jaws at least one time, right? I've never seen Jaws. Oh, man, you got to go back. You got to go back and check it out. It's good. It's pretty, pretty good. All right. Uh, here's the one I like the most, though. Dylan Gabriel asked about, you know, what are his impressions of Norman so far? And he talked about Norman and the food scene as well. He talked about the food scene? Yes, he okay, did. Okay, well, I, I hope he name-dropped Velvet Taco because uh, we'll otherwise see. he's not doing it right. Let's like, find out who he drops. With- it's weird to say, but it reminds me a lot of Hawaii in the term in terms of just small town but also just man it's just an easy way of living you know what i mean keep it simple um life is good you know growing up in hawaii the island's smaller than you think it's also bigger than you think but it's it's just super simple way of living and i love it here because of that you know what i mean there's no traffic for one i love that and then two just man it's fun it's a small town but got a lot of great people to hang out with a lot of good eat you know foods places to eat at um and then just people helping me around, shoot. Every single guy, you know, checking on me right when I got here. Um, went out to eat with a bunch of dudes. Um, but just quickly learned my surroundings by going out to eat. Uh, growing up in Hawaii, I just liked a wide variety of foods. So I like to try a lot of new things. But love Red Rock, you know, some grilled salmon. Love the garage is really good. But a lot of Main Street, Campus Corner, there's a lot of good food places. Okay, so there you did, go. didn't name drop Velvet Taco. With as much free advertising as I give Velvet Taco mm-hmm. on this station, they ought to just run a promo with us at this point. But uh, that Nor- Norman needs a Hawaiian bros, Mike. Mm, yeah. Now that now that the two arguably the two most prominent athletes on this campus are both from the state of Hawaii, yeah. it's only right. I don't know who's bigger uh, than. Jossie and Dylan Gabriel, I mean, if you're the Sooner quarterback, you're automatically BMOC. And Jocelyn Allo is the the queen, no doubt. Well, Patty's, well, the, no. queen. Patty's the queen, but Jocelyn is – she is uh, – she's, she's worldwide is what she is. Everybody knows jo- – I bet if there's another planet out there where there are – Citizens who have a brain, they know about Jocelyn Allo somehow, some way, would be my guess. So, Velvet Taco, you are you're pushing me in that direction. I need to get over there. By the way, Dylan have Gabriel said no trap. I have not. We drove by the other day, and I said that's the place Parker's talking about. Yep. So we need to stop there. Yep. Believe the hype. Believe the hype. I'm gonna have to try it. I don't. I don't hype food places up unless they're outstanding, Mike. Now I will say this: Dylan Gabriel uh, is a truth teller based on what we know. But uh, this, there's no traffic out there. That ain't true. Have you ever been on Highway Nine? Every single construction dump truck or whatever gets on Highway Nine, right? I mean, I was driving back from Riverwind this morning over here, so I jumped on Highway Nine. It's still the quickest way, but it's like. There's always some kind of gigantic truck on Highway 9, and it's going like 38 miles an hour. Yes, I live right off of Highway 9, Mike. So there's traffic on Highway 9. It's the worst highway in the history of highways. There's always traffic. 
I hit like 10 stoplights oh, before yeah. I get to I-35. Mm-hmm. It is a nightmare. And whoever designed it, whoever was in charge of the planning, I just want to have a conversation. I, I just want to know possible, why. Yes, to find out who designed Highway 9. There had to be one person who sat there and thought, this is our highway. It's Highway 9. All right? It's going to really suck. And you're not going to be able to get anywhere quickly. And every construction vehicle you can imagine will also be on Highway 9. And then when you get on, you still continue on Highway 9. If you come out of Riverwind, for instance, and you're going, you know, in northerly direction, you turn left and go that way on Highway 9. There's still even more construction equipment. When I leave Riverwind... Friday, it's usually about 6 o'clock after I do my streaming show and pack up the equipment, and then I get out there, and just to turn right might take five minutes because every construction vehicle in the state of Oklahoma is on that road at that time. Yes. it Norman took a lot of getting used to for me because, obviously, I came from Omaha. Omaha, Nebraska is one of the easiest places in the world to get around mm-hmm. because it's a grid system. It's okay. As you go west from the Missouri River, it's 1st Street, 2nd Street, 3rd Street. Every 12 streets is a mile. So you know, every time you get to the multiples of 12, Mm -hmm. you're one mile further west. Everything is neatly laid out. There isn't much more than one stoplight per block. And it's very, very simple to be able to get where you're going and to figure out where you need to go without even using a map. Yeah, Norman, it's almost like the original city planners way back when thought, you know what, this place is never going to grow. Really, it's not <laughs> going to grow much. So <laughs> That this is what is, it feels this, like, you know, doesn't it? This place is, uh, I mean, and I truly believe one of the reasons, it's not the only reason, and I wouldn't even say it's the number one reason, but one of the reasons why the OU basketball crowd suffer is because it's impossible to get to the LNC. Particularly, I mean, Highway 9. Worst highway ever? No, absolutely. I now again, I don't look. If these are Kansas basketball fans, they're gonna and they played at the Lloyd Noble Center, they would get there. So there's also a difference between the fan bases. OU football doesn't matter what the traffic's gonna look like. People are gonna get there. So part of it is the sport and the interest in the sport. But I do believe that costs them some fans because it's like, you want to go to the game? What time does it start? Six? Are you kidding? Highway 9, 6 o'clock, I-35. I remember the first time I ever drove on Highway 9, and it was the day that I moved into the dorms at OU. And it it was bizarre at first because I had a very rudimentary understanding of how Norman was laid out because I'd been to Norman several times as a child, but mostly just along Lindsay Street, straight to campus, straight back to I-35, that type of thing. So I get driving along Highway 9. I'm like, where am I going? Like, isn't campus the other direction? And then you end up looping all the way back around. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. You're at the Lloyd Noble Center, and then it's another mile north to be able to get back to the dorms. And, yeah, that was my introduction. <laughs> the city planners the first- way back in the day, the original ones, may have had just a bunch of tequila that night or whatever. I'm- all right, how are we going to design this thing? Let's see right here. <laughs> 
then the first, my first Sunday in Norman, I missed my church service because I went to the wrong 12th Street. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it happens. Or 12th Avenue, excuse me. You know, we live on the northwest side of Norman, and my wife, the lovely Shay, she loves the Greek house. That's one of her favorite places to go eat. And we contemplate going over there, and then we think, you know what? That's going to take too long. Trying to get to the Greek house? There's no easy route. So you just DoorDash? So we'll, uh, you know, sometimes if we have enough time, we'll make the trip. But a lot of times we nix it because it takes too long to get there. Because there's no easy route to get there because of Norman, the design of Norman. All right, we're going to break right here, ladies and gentlemen. When we get back, there's one guy that thinks that Tiger Woods could win the Masters. And he knows a little bit about Tiger Woods. We'll tell you who it is when we get back. It's a man crush Thursday, ladies and gentlemen, and if you've listened to me over the years, you know my man crush is Tiger Woods. Yes, I know he hasn't been perfect. The uh, cheating on Elon, not good, not good, not good at all. And uh, driving impaired, that is certainly not good. So he's had his share of uh, stupid moments, but in terms of watching him play golf, oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. He made golf cool. Uh, This will be the 25-year anniversary, by the way, of Tiger winning that Masters in 1997. Remember he shot 40, I think, on the front nine in his first round that year? And then he shot, I believe, like 30 on the back nine, came (laughs) and won the tournament. Won the tournament and won it going away. And we're still waiting to see whether or not Tiger is going to play uh, at the Masters next week. We know he played the practice round with uh, Charlie and his buddy uh, Justin Thomas. Tiger and, uh, and JT are super tight, very tight. They're like neighbors, but they're, you know, who would have thought that Justin Thomas and Tiger would be, uh, you know, good buds? But they are. And uh, so that was the uh, trio that played the practice round. And, uh, again, we're just waiting on word to see if he's officially going to play. He still, uh, you know, hasn't made any announcement as yet. I'm still checking. But it's going to be interesting. All signs point to Tiger Woods trying to play because, you know, if you're not trying to play, you're not playing a practice round at Augusta National earlier this week, right? Hank Haney is old swing coach. Uh, says that he said a long time ago he thought that Tiger, he thought would try and play at Augusta. And Haney said yesterday, if Tiger plays in this event, he will compete. I mean, he hit those shots in his sleep. That is above any other golf course in the world, a golf course where experience matters. And no one in the field is even, I mean, I mean, who in this field? that's playing at Augusta has Augusta experience like Tiger Woods. And he's also experienced going in there for practice rounds and not playing well and getting his game together and being in the hunt, finishing, finishing fourth. I'm, I'm telling you nothing, absolutely nothing would surprise me. Nothing. Hank Haney talking about Tiger if he plays, having a shot. And he's right, man. Nobody is close. You look at the top ten in the world. Scotty Scheffler just became the uh, number one player in the world and uh, hasn't won a major. Now, he's red hot right now, but there's not 
Not a whole lot of Augusta experience. John Rahm has some, but it's not all great. Colin Morikawa again. Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantlay, Cameron Smith. Top six players in the world. There's not a ton there. Justin Thomas at seven. DJ at eight. Yes, he won recently, obviously. Rory at number nine. He's got good and bad uh, history at Augusta. He's never won there, obviously. That would be the career grand slam for Rory if he were able to win a green jacket. But still memories of the errant tee shot over there in the cabins on uh, number 10. That haunt Rory McIlroy. Xander Shoffley would be 10, then Sam Burns. You would go to 12. Hideki Matsuyama has won. Um, and then maybe I would look down to Jordan Spieth, the number 17 in the world, uh, as having uh, Kepka again at 19. But yeah, nothing matches Tiger's experience there. And uh, he knows every nuance of that course. The question is can he walk the course? We don't know yet, but he, he apparently did. Played all 18 the other day. So, we'll is he see. allowed to segue? No segues. You know, you've seen in some senior events. Remember, we had Casey Martin back in the day who yeah, got the ruling uh, for the golf cart. Uh, that didn't, you know, and and there have been other guys who've. Uh, I'm trying to think if my man Scott Verplank was able to use a cart uh, at one point on the Champions Tour when, uh, you know, he's type 1 diabetic. Uh, I, I think. Maybe John Daly did at one point, but that's mainly happened on the Champions Tour. So, no. I I think Tiger should get the Tiger exemption. Yes, absolutely. Just give him a card. Just give him a, a master's card and let him do his thing. I'm kidding. I don't think that should happen. But, um, again, we haven't heard anything yet. And, in fact, Jim Nance... Uh, They just recorded the interview with Tiger for the 25-year anniversary special they're going to be airing, which airs usually an hour, all those masters, uh, the lead-up to Sunday. It's an hour before they would maybe look back at Arnie's history at the Masters or Jack's. This will be the 25-year anniversary uh, for Tiger's 97 win. There it is, a win for the ages victory. Uh, and Nance said Tiger gave me no indication either way whether he's playing or not during the interview. So they're, they're, they're keeping this under wraps so far. I think he plays because, like you said, the second you're out playing a practice round at Augusta, mm-hmm. you're trying to play. Yeah. And if Tiger's trying to play, he's going to play. That's the way I look at it. Now, it certainly looks that way. Let me ask you this. As the foremost golf insider on this show, not that I will bet on the Masters because I'm not really a betting man, but if I were and I did, who should I put money on at Augusta? Well, I mean, the obvious is Scotty Scheffler right now. You I know, mean, I interviewed him once. Did you really? Yeah, when he was on the, uh, what, what's it called, the Corn Ferry Tour. It's hmm. had so many different names over the years. Yeah. He played at a corn I it might have been the web.com tour at that point. He played at an event at the golf course coincidentally that I worked at in high school, Indian Creek Golf Club on the west side of Omaha, Nebraska. Really? And at the time, I was not working at the course anymore, but I was interning with KETV, the ABC affiliate in Omaha. And so Myself and the sports anchor at the time at KETV, he's out of the business now, but uh, he and I got real close that summer. We would go a lot of the same places together uh, and just shoot, talk to people, you know, do all the stuff that you do when you're a 
television sports anchor, and you got time to kill before your sportscast, right? So we're out there, and Scotty Scheffler, at the time, he wasn't a super big name. He was just, I mean, he was out there. He was available. You know he he's was, a Longhorn, right? Oh, Scotty yeah. Scotty Scheffler. Oh, yeah, I knew that. But, I mean, he's out there on the uh, on the driving range hitting, I think, seven irons or something like that. We walk up, and... Uh, he's all happy to jump on the mic with us and answer a couple questions in front of the camera. Really good dude. I think he's actually, if you go to my website, he may actually be in my broadcast reel because I put together a package that day that included a soundbite from him. Hmm. There you go. But Number one was, player in the world. I know. That was the summer of 2019. And now three years later, he's the number one player in the world. How about that? I like, uh, you know, uh, hot players Scheffler nobody hotter than him right now I think that Morikawa he's already won a couple majors I think that Victor Hoblin is playing really well Oklahoma State Cowboy Cameron Smith has done good things at Augusta too Cameron Smith from Australia would be a good pick um you know we'll see maybe Kepka too Kepka has had uh, injury issues that have plagued him but, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I, he probably would have another major, maybe two, if he hadn't been, uh, you know, the knee and everything else that's been bothering is, him. Is Bernhard Longer still playing the Masters? I don't uh, – Bernhard, yes, he has been playing because he's been great on the Champions Tour. And, you know, you can play at Augusta if a former champion as long as you want to play and compete. So, he's in always, fact, he, didn't he have like a top 15 in the last couple years Well, that's so? what – that he always – like – I'll always turn on the Masters on that Sunday, and he'll always be the old guy on the fringe of the top mm-hmm. group. Where or nobody... Fre- Freddie always played well. Fred Couples, not, it hasn't happened right. recently, but Freddie was always here's Freddie. You know, he's yeah. got a share of the lead after two rounds or whatever. But yeah, yeah. well, you know, Sunday he's uh, he's never like at the top of the leaderboard, mm-hmm. but he's always just a few shots back, and then he puts together a couple birdies, and then you're like, oh, watch out for Bernard Longer, or watch out for Fred Couples, and then. You know, ultimately, it never ends up amounting to much in the end. But he's he's always there mm-hmm. on Sunday at Augusta. Longer is a fitness fanatic, and uh, he's been really good in the Champions Tour, winning the Charles Schwab Cup a lot, obviously uh, recently. So, uh, yeah, he's he's going to be playing for a while, and I'm sure he'll, uh, you know. And maybe he'll make a few more birdies. Like I said, was it one year or two years ago? I can't remember if it was the rescheduled November 2020 Masters uh, when he got like a top 15 or so, maybe a top maybe a top 20. I can't remember for sure, but he played pretty well. All right, we got a break right here. We'll go to the Air Comfort Solutions tax line. If you've been waiting, the waiting is the hardest part, but the waiting is over. We're going right there when we get back to the Air Comfort Solutions tax line, 405 651 3439. Oh, yeah, a little KC in the Sunshine Band. Okay, it is a Thursday. Happy to have you with us. Thanks to our uh, sponsor for hour number two, the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck from the Seth Wadley Auto Group and that great guarantee of oil changes and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel. Riverwind starting to roll out some April promotions. It was a little bit unusual in that we had, uh, you know, four or five days uh, between the promotions ending for March and going into April. But I can tell you about one that's getting underway, and it'll be getting underway at midnight tonight. The 10K April Fool's Play from April 1st through the 22nd. 
Get out there and get your share of $10,000 in uh, cash and bonus play. Those playing blackjack during that qualifying time, April 1st through the 22nd, will have a chance to receive $50 in chips for hitting a six-card hand without busting. Then on April 23rd, any remaining prize amounts will be given away in random hot seat drawings every 30 minutes starting at 7 p.m. And a lot more uh, April promotions will be rolling out real soon. Probably by like tomorrow. And uh, we've told you about Beats and Bites, the uh, great outdoor concert series. That is happening starting in May, but you can get your tickets right now at Riverwind.com. May 28th, the first show out outdoors at Riverwind with all the incredible food trucks, retail vendors. Uh, They even have a fireworks show after the Randy Rogers show on July 9th. But we kick it off with Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas. And that will be, again, on May 28th, the first show out this year in Beats and Bites 2022. Then uh, June 18th, Everclear with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something. And then in July, the Randy Rogers Band, uh, that will be happening July 9th. And then right after their show, the Randy Rogers Band uh, out there on the Beats and Bites stage will have an incredible fireworks display. And then July 30th, it'll be Scotty McCreary. Outdoors, food trucks everywhere, craft beers from Coop Ale Works, retail vendors, good time to be had by all outdoors, great music, great fun at Beats and Bites 22. And you can get your tickets. They're very cheap, only 5 bucks at riverwind.com. Uh, we understand that A&M is working on a new fight song. Is that right? Texas A&M? It look- A&M's new fight song. This is from some high school marching band. I don't even know where. This is this is the only I Steely walked into the studio. We're kind of we're separated by a window in here. And so he walked into my side of the studio and he was like, I need you to dig up a marching band playing Money by Pink Floyd. And this was the only such video on YouTube. And there you go, bring it up for a second. The new fight song for Texas A&M, Money. Forget the Aggie War Hymn. It's Money by Pink Floyd. All right, let's All get right. to the uh, let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. One listener says, Velvet Taco would be elite if they toasted their tortillas instead of making their tacos with cold ones. Torchies is still king. I like me some torchies. Velvet is better in my eyes, particularly the queso. Velvet's queso blanco is as good as queso gets. That is my opinion. You are welcome to disagree. I mean, is there anybody in the uh, in on the planet that doesn't like queso? I don't think so. Have you so. ever heard anybody say, you know what, I don't like queso? Unless you're lactose intolerant, I don't see how you can dislike queso. It's one of those things that's just mm-hmm. universally accepted and beloved, like chocolate. Now, another listener says, my father helped design the grid system in Omaha back in the day when he was a student at Creighton. There you go. Bless your father. Very nice. He has my respect and admiration because my hometown, say what you will about it, it is easy to get around. And I appreciate that about it. Mm -hmm. Another listener says, Robinson is equally as bad as Highway 9. Thoughts? Robinson's pretty bad, uh, particularly that overpass area, but yes. Steely is complaining about it being a 15-minute drive to get to the Greek house while so many of us live out of state now and would die to go to the Greek house again. I got it. It's all perspective. You're right. The Greek house, man. So good. So good. Uh, it Usually, it's going to be a 25-minute drive. But you know what the problem is? We're all busy, and 25 minutes feels like, like two hours sometimes one listener says i don't like queso what? Uh, that, that must be a bot no, that can't be a real person that, that ain't true 
Another listener says, when Tiger won in 97, my mom was so excited, she thought she put herself in labor early with me. <laughs> One listener asks, isn't Hank Haney a Tulsa U alum? You would know better than I, um, I don't. He was at SMU for a while. Uh, let me go ahead and Google it up. Uh, let me see. Hank Haney Wiki. For some reason, that's not ringing a bell, but you know what? I'm not a smart man. I'm like Forrest Gump. I don't know. I don't know much. College for uh, okay, hang on. Ba, 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 ba. Go ahead and uh, I'm not seeing anything yet. Are you coming up empty here? I am coming up empty. Okay, so well, we ahead. can loop back around. Yeah, we can. Another listener says Nance can't stand Tiger. Do you think there's truth to that? Um, I haven't heard much on that. I don't know where. What's your source on that? Do we have – if I missed something on – I don't know. That yeah, I must have missed it too. Uh, Hank Haney, yes, I just got Hank Haney College, and it came up Hank Haney Education, University of Tulsa, 1977. Nice. Wow, okay. I, I don't know how I missed out on that, but I missed it. Impressive stuff. Yeah. You were, you were in job. high school back then, Mike. So that's I, That was even before high school for me. I would have been 13 years old. Okay, well, that's right about the time where your memory is especially Steel Trap-esque, so – I'm surprised you you didn't know that one right off the top of your head. But another listener asks, pardon my ignorance, but what is the timeline of Dylan Gabriel? He played under Lebby three years ago, question mark? Where has he been? So, yes, the situation was Dylan Gabriel committed to play for Jeff Lebby at Central Florida. At the time, Josh Heupel was the head coach. 2019 was Gabriel's freshman year. He started right off the bat for the Golden Knights. Uh, and that was the only year. His freshman year was the only year he overlapped with Jeff Lebby. Lebby then left to take the offensive coordinator job at Ole Miss. He was there in 2020 and 2021. And now, three years later, they are reunited in 2022 at the University of Oklahoma. So that is the timeline. Yeah, there you go. All right, man, I'm just surprised that you know what happens when uh, you have a little something that slips through the cracks that you didn't know and you're really surprised by? That I, I, I didn't know that on Hank Haney that he played at Tulsa. I did not know that. And he's Tiger. He was Tiger's coach for a while. I don't know how. I never picked up on that, but I never did. So thank you all for letting me know. Wow. So we have some, uh, some oaky heritage in yes. the fabled – narrative of tiger woods's excellence in golf and he would still be my favorite tiger swing coach uh how many is butch, butch harman too you had sean foley uh you had another guy in there that i'm forgetting but it was butch harman originally then it became uh hank haney uh and then it was sean foley and there was another guy after that and then tiger said i don't need a coach which, to be fair, he probably didn't. Yeah. Like, I, I, I would probably have done the same if I were Tiger Woods. At a certain point, I, I would just get to the point where I said, why am I paying someone to coach my swing? I'm the best golfer in the world. Probably in history. Well, and uh, but Haney, you know that he wasn't real happy about Hank Haney's book. But I always I liked Hank on uh, you know his. Show where he was teaching Charles Barkley to play golf. I think he's pretty good on, uh, you know, on on the broadcast and the podcast that he does, and on Sirius XM. So, but I'm just surprised. How did I not know that? I feel like I should have known that. But thank you for letting me know that. Have you ever seen the pictures of the like Tiger's old irons 
where they have no. like the little shadow of the ball, the markings of the ball, and it's like right on the sweet spot on every one. Really? I mean, I hit one last Sunday that was about as pure as I can hit a golf ball, and that was the only one I hit pure all day. Three over for nine holes, not too bad. Okay, that's but, actually not bad at all. But a lot of it was due to scrambling short game and chipping and putting because I can usually save errant shots uh, with short game. I've got a decent short game. Off the tee, I'm just horrible right now. But I hit one that had just that feel that was pure, and it went just perfectly straight. I thought I was going to ace the uh, the par three. Uh, it came up, I think it was about five feet uh, past the pin, but it was on a perfect line. I thought, that's how a PGA player feels on just about every swing. It was such a great feeling. It was like, just when I hit it, I knew it was good, you know? Those are very rare for me, though, I will say. Three over through nine holes is not bad Well, it's a par three, Cobblestone Creek. Oh, okay. a, really, well, okay, a, really well. good, a really good par three, though. I love Cobblestone. Uh, and you can change how long the holes are. But this one, it was about a 150-yard. Uh, and for me, as, as I, I don't hit the ball very far. For me, that's like a 7-iron at my age, a soft 7-iron. But it felt good. I'm like, man, if I could play, hit every shot. Not every shot, but the majority of shots like that. Could have won state like Uncle Rico. Could hit that golf all over the mountains. All right, we're going to take a break. We've got one more award-winning, possibly, segment coming up next. We'll hit more texts as well. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. Man, I miss Chris Cornell, another one we lost way too young. He could hit those high notes, especially on Hunger Strike with Eddie Better and the mashup between Soundgarden and Pearl Jam back in the days. Good stuff. All right, we're coming right back. I have done my taxes as of yesterday, Mike. Really? Got yes. done, huh? It's lovely to have that off of my shoulders. I've got to go uh, see my uh, my CPA, Brian Dobry, here, uh, well, in the next two weeks, right? Oh, yeah. really? Is that the deadline? Uh, is, a- is April that the, 18th or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think it is like April 18th, isn't it, this year? But... Um, yeah, he's probably got it wrapped up already. I need to get over there. So, anyway, uh, Nigel Pack entering the uh, transfer portal, the uh, guard from K-State. So, Not big. a fan of Jerome Tang, I guess? I don't know. It's a little uh, a, a little unusual. He was an all-Big 12 selection. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe, we'll maybe, he, maybe he's just going to the league because that's exactly what Davion Harmon did after Lon left, remember? He was in the transfer portal – or no, 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 it was, it was the opposite. It was the opposite. Excuse me. He announced he was declaring for the draft, and then he entered the transfer portal. But Mac McClung, I think it was, did the same thing yes. last year, where he entered the transfer portal, but then he was like, yeah, hey, I'm going to the NBA. Well, and you, uh, you think about, man, all the Sooner players who, uh, who left, you would have thought Debbie Harmon might have been the biggest impact guy, right? And it turned out to be Alondis Williams. And it turned out to be uh, Cam McGusty. And it turned out to be Brady Manick. And maybe Brady Manick at Carolina, what a great story that is. Duke Carolina Saturday night, that's going to be awesome. That's going to be a lot of fun. All right, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Why don't we get to a few more texts before we get out of here? Does Parker still think Justin Broyles starts at OU this year? <sighs> I... 
I don't know that I would say he starts. Okay, no, 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 I take that back. I do think he starts because I do think he's going to be the best option at the nickel with Billy Bowen making the move to safety. My my hesitation is that I'm not sure if Rent Venable's defense is going to utilize a traditional nickel very often. So I would say, yes, he is your first string nickel back, but I don't know if technically he will start because I'm not sure how much the nickel will be on the field. We're going to see a lot of different packages from Brent Venables. So to answer your question, I, I think there's a bit of nuance there. But, yes, I do think Justin Royals will be first string at the nickel. I do believe that. There you go. All right, back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Arkansas basketball is signing seven top 100 players and four five-stars. They are going to be great, hoping one day we can get more than one in the top 100, which is what OU got this year. Yeah, maybe you can have another set of triplets. You had the original triplets with uh, City Moncrief, Ron Brewer, and Marvin Delft back in the late 70s. And then you had the second round of triplets with uh, Oliver Miller, uh, Lee Mayberry, and Todd Day. Lee Mayberry, of course, uh, from Tulsa. So, But Musselman's done a nice job there. He has. And I think Moser... And Sam Pittman's doing a heck of a job. I think Moser's going to have Oklahoma in position. Well, they'll be able to vie for and land some big-time guys here in the next few years. But we talk about it all the time, Steely. One of the critical components of a recruiting pitch, particularly in the sport of basketball, is facilities. And OU's going to need some new ones if they're going to go toe-to-toe with the best of the best in some of these recruiting battles. Seven signees for Arkansas? How do they have that many scholarships available? I don't know. Don't maybe, know. maybe Musselman's going <laughs> to gracefully push some of his bench guys to the transfer portal. Fayetteville's a nice place, though. I went to uh, Arkansas's basketball camp the year after they went to the Final Four with those triplets I talked about in the 70s, Delph, uh, Brewer, and Moncrief. Eddie Sutton was there. That's when Eddie had the perm. And uh, I remember that Gene Cady – who would become a legend at Purdue, was one of the assistant coaches running the camp, and Gene Cady was taking pizza orders every night, asking people, what do you want, beef or cheese pizza? That's my memory of Gene Cady. Beef or cheese? Those beef or cheese, options? yes. That was it, beef or cheese. Didn't even get pepperoni. No, it was like beef or cheese. Wow. That was, that was it. Very strange. Pat Foster was there, also as an assistant, who would coach at the University of Houston for a while. Who was the other assistant? Bob Cleland, was that his name? I think that's right. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, Eddie's basketball camp back uh, after the uh, Razorbacks. They lost to Kentucky in the uh, national semifinals in the Final Four, and then uh, Kentucky beat Duke to win the title. That was the night Jack Gibbons had 41 for Kentucky. All right, we got to get out of here. You're going to get locked in next with Parker and Tyler McComas. A ton of Sooner football recruiting information, spring football conversation. Levius Overton appears to be taking the money bag from Texas A&M like so many others. They'll have that for you. Hope everybody has a great Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow.